Welcome to River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg. My name is Nolan Bicknell. With me, as always, is my co-host, Robert Zirk. On today's show, Pachakja Winnipeg and the Winnipeg Foundation are teaming up to celebrate the 100th anniversary of the Winnipeg General Strike of 1919. We'll learn about the unique Pachakja presentation style and how you can attend. We'll also speak with Richard Walls. He's the founder, CEO, and board chair of Red Road Lodge. We're going to learn more about Red Road Lodge's story Posts project and how it's building community and supporting reconciliation through art. Then we'll be joined by Fred Cross from the Gilbert and Sullivan Society of Winnipeg. They're closing their doors after nearly 30 years of performances, and their final show is happening this Sunday, April 14th, and we'll tell you all about it. And finally, this week on our Winnipeg Impact Makers feature, For all you dog lovers out there, RC360's Sunny Promolo will be talking with Lloyd and Joanne Kamayer about Shadow's Mission, an initiative started by the couple to build houses for rescue dogs up north. We've got all this, some great tunes, and much, much more on today's episode of River City 360. Hello and welcome to RC360. Nolan over here, Robert over there, Jeremy over there. How are you doing, Jeremy? Doing well. Good. Jeremy, our intern, is uh, with us for the next three weeks, so we're going to have a, a beautiful and exciting couple of features on the radio program. Next week, you can look forward to hearing Jamie, Jeremy and his stories coming at you on River City 360. Same time, same place, but as for this week, Robert, how are you doing? I'm doing well, thanks, Nolan. How are you doing? Life is good. Yeah. It's... uh. The Jets uh, had their first playoff game last night, so Mm -hmm. pretty exciting times to see the Winnipeg Whiteout back in full force. Uh, Did you make it out down to the Whiteout outside participate? I didn't. I had some had some other plans that evening, but uh, yeah, it's always great to see the uh, the community come out to uh, support the Jets. You have the whiteout parties. Uh, I love what the library, the public library, does on Twitter. They uh, challenged the St. Louis Public Library to a uh, sort of a book spine battle. Classic. It's great stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. game two tomorrow night. Obviously, Friday night. So go Jets, go! It's uh, fun to see them back in the playoffs and the whole town kind of buzzing. Uh, so this week's show is pretty exciting, too. We sh- we, we're kind of buzzing about this week's show. We it's like the River City 360 playoffs exactly. here. Exactly. We're uh, really excited to bring you all the stories from today. Uh, obviously, the Winnipeg General Strike of 1919 is in its... Uh, this is the 100th anniversary. So uh, Pecha Kacha Winnipeg and the Winnipeg Foundation are teaming up to uh, celebrate that event. And uh, we're going to kind of have this really interesting format where there's 20 slides for 20 seconds and there's going to be 10 presenters presenting in that fashion so they get 20 seconds and then they talk about each slide for that long and there's going to be a whole wealth of different people filmmakers um, activists archivists all sorts of things talking about the winnipeg general strike of 1919 and its effect on uh, society as a whole and, and on winnipeg in general so excited to learn more about that uh, that's coming up right after our first musical break but uh As we always do, we kick the show off with a song. So, Robert, what have you got for us this week? Start things off with Dusty Springfield and You Set My Dreams to Music right here on River City 360. Each time you smile at me, I love the look. 
Thank you for listening to River City 360. Nolan and Robert here with you today, and I'm now joined in studio by Justin Ladia. He's the city host and organizer for, I'm going to try and get this right, <laughs> Pachacacha Night? Yeah, P- close enough. Close? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Pachacacha Night, yeah. uh, Winnipeg, which is a... Uh, how often do these happen, actually, Justin? Well, so first of all, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. And how me. often do these events happen? Uh, so these events happen normally on a quarterly basis. So quarterly? there's usually one every three months or so. Cool. So what exactly happens on, on these Pachacacha Nights? Right. So Pachacacha is a, a presentation format that was uh, devised by an architecture firm in Tokyo called Klein Dytham in 2003. Uh, we've been putting on these events... Uh, for the last nine years, we're, all, we're almost there at our 10th year anniversary. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's been there quite a while. And normally what happens is that we have a bunch of speakers, anywhere from 8 to 12 speakers. Cool. Uh, they are given 20 seconds uh, to each slide, and they're only given 20 slides to present. Okay. Uh, whatever they want to talk about usually. Mm-hmm. So how many minutes does that work? I'm not a math expert. <laughs> that's six minutes and 40 seconds. Okay, that's not so bad. So it's fairly short. And yeah. as you know, people's attention spans are getting shorter and shorter. Sure. So these events and these talks that they put on are, are, are usually very manageable bite-sized. Yeah. So it's kind of like a TED Talk in a way, but a mm-hmm. lot more visual? Yeah, there's a, it's very much like a TED Talk. It's shorter. It's more concise. Uh, and, um, yeah, us- usually people who go in these events are, or people who speak at these events are folks who are normally in the creative industries. Uh, but we're starting a new thing where where we believe that creativity is, is a sort of a larger... Universal. Sort of, yeah, it's more universal. Uh, so we have invite everybody to come. Very and speak. cool. Yeah. So give me an example. We're we're going to talk about an event coming up on May second at the Millennium Center. That's, That's right. going to be a hundredth anniversary of the nineteen nineteen uh, general strike. But give me an example of like before we talk about that. Mm-hmm. Give me an example of some of the topics that people have talked about at these events in the past. Right. So uh, in the last one, which was. Uh, I guess a couple of months ago now, it was a we had a bunch of uh, creative people. Uh, some of the folks that have uh, spoken were our comic book artists. Oh, there nice. were a few illustrators. There were designers. Uh, there was a teacher who uh, does photography on the side. Uh, one of my favorites from that evening was uh, a friend of mine uh, who talked about uh, trans issues because okay, they were cool. of, uh, of trans experience. Yeah. There's been a bunch of other folks, like there have been principals from schools talking about uh, their outdoor educational experience. Hmm. Um, there's a few more like filmmakers, writers, who's everyone, essentially. The format sounds interesting, especially for kind of how our uh, society now thinks mm-hmm. and acts and you know you're swiping 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 you only probably last way f- shorter than 20 seconds on right. each picture that you're seeing on insta right. or whatever um how has the crowd response been to a lot of these uh e- evenings right usually the the crowds respond pretty positively yeah. to these things well, for sure. uh, a lot of uh, the the sort of reviews i get is that they appreciate the variety of people mm. that we normally put uh in our, in our lineup um they usually enjoy each of the evenings. Like, I mean, I hope they enjoy each of the evenings. I, I, we don't have a, a comment section anywhere saying what uh, what people are thinking. But yeah. uh, usually people come up and be like, I really enjoy that. Can I speak at the next one? I'm like, Ooh. yeah, sure. Come talk. And, yeah, that's how we normally get speakers to come is, is people come and, and watch and, and get interested in the sort of power of the event. And right. So, yeah. Has there ever been a, a, a topic that someone said pitched to you and you're like, that nah, doesn't really fit? Or has everyone's right. suggestions been, oh, yeah, I think that'll work? Or if they're not visual enough, maybe, right? Right. Like, that might not work. I uh, usually caution on the side of uh, democracy. Okay. Uh, and so 
I've only been organizing the event for the last year or so as uh, I took on the position following uh, it being given to me by one of the Red River College professors. Oh, cool. Um, the so the last year or so I've I've had those uh, those moments. Uh, moments yeah <laughs> where people are like showing me what they're going to talk about I'm like oh oh okay and then it ends up usually being like one of the better ones of the evening interesting there was this one person who uh, is uh, I guess in the last couple of uh, in the last talks or so they they were going to talk about body modification which is Mm-hmm. 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 Which is, I saw the the, the slides. And I'm like, oh my god! I've seen gosh. people with like t- cut tongues and that. It's exactly of, yeah. that, and I wasn't sure how people were going to respond to it. But uh, my job isn't necessarily to um, to sort of censor that, mm-hmm. right? It's it's my job to curate and sort of represent the what. Well, Winnipeg it's such a is. Ni- it's such a niche topic that exactly. it would be cool to just learn about that from someone who knows a lot about it, right? Yeah, and the main reason why I do this is because I think. I have, I believe, in Winnipeg's sort of creative uh, class. I guess, mm-hmm. um, not to sound like elitist or anything, but they, the the creatives of the city are, are, are need these sorts of platforms uh, in order for them to get elevated into other places. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've I've only been, again been doing this for a year, but I've I've already seen the folks that I've uh, invited to speak ha- are sort of growing because of the event. For sure, it would. Um, and it creates another little community of oh, like-minded yeah. people, right? Exactly. Want to talk about these things and learn about new, new mm-hmm. stuff. And uh, it's it's great. It's uh, it's 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 nice trying to sort of have a representation of what Winnipeg is. Yeah. In such a compact evening, for sure. That's mm-hmm. very cool. Well, let's talk about this upcoming event that the Winnipeg Foundation is partnering with you guys, mm-hmm. uh, May second at the Millennium Center. It's going to be the hundredth anniversary of the nineteen nineteen Winnipeg General Strike. So, what is this night? What are you thinking that this night will entail? Right. So. Uh, it being the 100th anniversary of the Winnipeg General Strike, it's an important milestone in uh, in the city's history. Um, it's essentially going to be a bunch of tributes uh, by writers and, and filmmakers uh, and other sorts of creative people in regards to the topic of the Winnipeg General Strike. Um, so we're going to have a bun- uh, 10 speakers uh, speak about that topic or something adjacent to that mm-hmm. topic. Um, and it's going to be held at the Millennium Center, as you said, on May 2nd. Um, and it's, it's going to be a little bit different in our regular talks as our... Everything uh, will be on one Exactly. Topic, right? it's, so a, it's all themed on one topic. Cool. Uh, and uh, it's going to be a little bit more formal than our, our regular events where we're usually a little bit more casual, but mm-hmm. it's still going to be fun. Cool. So why is it important, do you think, for general Winnipeggers to kind of know about this particular thing, the, the general strike right. and our I history mean, in general? Uh well, it, it, for one thing, uh, it's important to know about what formed the mm. history of right. your city, sort of like the ripples where you after, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And so we're benefiting from the events of uh, of history, and so um, knowing this, uh, we can't forget about the, the these sorts of events. As again, we're we're sort of standing on the sort of grounds of where. These, this thing all happened. Mm-hmm. And we're, again, benefiting from what happened during that time. A lot of crazy sacrifice. Exactly. And, and when you read about it, it's like, holy crap, this right. happened in our city? Exactly. You know, like you think about it exactly. happening in different countries or in the States or something, but not Winnipeg, right? Exactly. It's so, really like, cool. commemorating that and this, like, in, in this format is uh, it's just our way of being like, okay, this happened. We need to remember what happened. And uh, these are the things that people are doing to help sort of make that 
keep that in the consciousness of Winnipeggers. Very well said. So where can people, so this sounds like something someone might be interested in participating in. Mm-hmm. Uh, where can people find out more information? Uh, you can find out more information on many of our social media platforms. Uh, on Instagram and Twitter, we are at PKN underscore Winnipeg. Uh, on Facebook, you can search uh, Night Winnipeg. That's P-E-C-H-A-K-U-C-H-A uh, Night Winnipeg. Uh, you can also reach us at our website at org slash cities slash Winnipeg. Fantastic. Well, Justin, good luck on May 2nd. When's the next uh, event coming up other than the uh, 2020 oh, uh, After May 2nd, there's one on June 6th. So after May 2nd is done, I am going to be 100% <laughs> on the June 6th regular event. Very mm-hmm. cool. Well, thank you for ta- talking to us about the Pachakcha Nights. Thank you so and, much. Uh, yeah, we'll see you on May 2nd. Thank you. We'll see you then. Thanks, Nolan. We'll have more from the upcoming General Strike of 1919 Pachacha special event in the weeks to come, so stay tuned to River City 360 for more. Up next, we'll have my conversation with Richard Walls. He is the founder, CEO, and board chair of Red Road Lodge on Main Street. We'll learn about Red Road Lodge's Story Post project and how it's supporting reconciliation through some artwork <clears throat> and how it's supporting reconciliation through interesting artwork. But first, here is Michelle Legrand with On the Road, right here on River City 360.
Welcome back to River City 360. Robert Zirk here with you today, and I am now joined in studio by Richard Walls. He is the board chair, CEO, and founder of Red Road Lodge. Richard, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. Well, thank you for inviting me here. I'm happy to share my story. So tell us a little bit about Red Road Lodge and the work that it does in the community. Okay, well, the Red Road Lodge really started uh, as I moved into uh, Main Street about 15 years ago now, uh, and it was sort of just a, a festering sore on the downtown of Winnipeg. Nothing was being done, and I had this vision of looking at uh, taking that northern part of, of downtown Main Street uh, and turning it into more of a, an artist's village. And I started with uh, buying the Norman's Meats building, which had been burnt out, and uh, putting in eight affordable artist studios, uh, a pottery shop or pottery studio, and then Mawa, which is a a woman's arts supports organization, moved into the neighborhood. And uh, about the first year we were in the hood, the Occidental Hotel was running next door to us, and it was really one of the toughest, roughest bars in the neighborhood. came up for sale, and I decided that I would buy it and run it as a hotel, try to manage it better found out that really that was an impossible task and uh, started to meet a lot of the people and really instead of looking at them as customers, really started to see the other side of them as as human beings and felt that there needed to be a place where people could live without being dependent on alcohol, VLTs, drugs, cigarettes. So I took the bold move of uh, getting rid of all the profit centers, creating a a not-for-profit, which is now a charity, and providing a transitional housing, or I had the concept of providing transitional housing, and using what was formerly the bar area as a community resource and, and education center. And so what we do in the community is homeless people come to our door, often referred to as the need housing, and have a commitment to be straight and dry or working on it. And people stay there anywhere from a month to, unfortunately, several years, or by choice for several years, because there's really very few places that people can move to that are on a a relatively low fixed income that's safe and supportive of of their needs. So Red Road Lodge kind of fits that niche and works hard in sort of giving an artistic visual presence for for Main Street. One of the things that you mentioned was that art is so key to the work that uh, that Red Road Lodge does and, and what Red Road Lodge has to offer. And one of the major components of that programming is the Story Post project. And I want to talk about that a little bit. Tell us a bit about the project and why it was important to get started. Sure. Well, the Story Post project really started I mean, arts and culture is sort of in my background. I'm an interior designer by profession. And in moving into Main Street, I found there was an opportunity to sort of say, hey, here's something you can do with your time. Very quickly, we found that the lodge, as people were coming down and just starting to were drawing pictures, and really they were telling stories, and often about, you know, it might be about indigenous culture, but more often than not, it was a reflection of their lived experience. And we started collecting some of the artwork or taking pictures of it. And it seemed to me that it was an opportunity to help educate the rest of Winnipeg if they could get some exposure to this artwork. Both the Truth and Reconciliation Report and the uh, United Nations Declaration of Homelessness and Human Rights uh, recognize the important role that arts and culture play in various societies and particularly with indigenous populations. And one of the things that's taken away from them through colonialization is their language, their art, their culture, all those kind of things. So by having the artwork displayed in an art gallery was our first step. 
And, and what we found is there's only certain people that go to the art galleries, and often it shows up for a week, and then it's gone, disappears, who sees it? So we thought, what else could we do? Uh, so the idea of the story post came partially from looking at what's a good way of getting a message that's portable. So we started with 4x4 four four timbers, and now we've switched to 4x4 four four and 6x6, six six, basically plastic PVC uh, square posts. The artist draws the picture. They retain all the rights to the original artwork. We photograph it, digitize it, and then uh, apply the artwork onto the post. Oh, cool. And then we have the artist tell us something about themselves, the story, uh, what's the meaning behind the art. And last year we were quite successful in having the story posts tour through every major shopping center in Winnipeg. So the story posts actually then were taking the message to the people. And in a shopping center, you get quite a different demographic. Tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people saw the story posts, and they say, well, what's that all about? So it brings some exposure. And then we took the story post to a second level where a number of people were saying, well, these posts, they're four by four, six by six inches. Wouldn't it be nice if you could have a larger version of, of the paintings? So we've developed a information panel that's a sandwich between the posts, and so that's really an ongoing project at Red Road Lodge where people from the community can come in. They can live there or they can come into the, uh, our studio um, with free art supplies and do some drawing and painting. And, and over time, hopefully we can help them market their artwork or help them build their career. And other times it's just a, a safe haven where they can come and have a cup of coffee and start to connect with someone. And then through the art and they tell their story we can maybe connect them with uh, the important resources in the community. That goes back to what you mentioned about connecting different communities and how, you know, for some people there is that stigma where they wouldn't necessarily venture down Main Street to, to see some of these artworks. So it's so important that there is that way of outreach in which, you know, you can reach out to different communities and they're able to see and experience these artworks that maybe they wouldn't normally come across. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and find out a little bit. Once you see the artwork, equally important is find out a little bit about the artist, the person behind that. Right. And, and, and for us, because we're not looking at this as a financial opportunity for the lodge in the sense of getting artwork, selling artwork, and making money, what we're looking at is, is the original artwork belongs to the artist. We can help them market it. But by us digitizing it and taking it out to the community, and then people say, I really like that. And, and, and they can even come down to the lodge and they can, they can talk to the artist or they can read their story. So that education process, then you start to understand what colonialization has done, how they've been mistreated by various governments over the years, and they struggle. And anybody would struggle, whether you're Indigenous or not. So it's, it's humanizing the, the fact that these are real people and there's real opportunity. It's, it's that creative spirit coming out and telling your story through art. So we thought that was really, really important. On the other side of it is having um, Indigenous people create artwork that are based on Indigenous teachings. So the opportunity is to teach us non-Indigenous people uh, a little bit more. And I'm wondering if you can speak to that a little bit, the importance of community involvement when it comes to reconciliation and the importance of collaboration, especially as it pertains to the Story Post project. And what we're trying to do is connect various people that you might be a little cautious. You see someone sitting on the curb selling a piece of their artwork and go, well, I don't care. I'll give them a few bucks and I'll take it. But you don't engage in a conversation. And what we're trying to do is uh, through 
telling their story, you start that conversation, and hopefully those people then reach out, maybe come to the Red Road Lodge, maybe help financially support some of the things we're doing, or help that individual move to the next level. So it's an education process, and truth and reconciliation, as much as you read about it, each person has a story. So once, once you get into that and, and understand, you know, really walk a mile or two in these people's shoes or moccasins, it's important to start understanding, okay, here changes have to be made, whether there's changes by the government, changes by the private sector, changes by organizations like the Red Road Lodge. How can we work together to, to help solve these problems? It's, it's, it's not a them and us, it's us together. So the artwork is that big connector. And again, if, if there's jobs, there's opportunities for these people. So that's that truth and reconciliation. The reconciliation part, I mean, the artist is telling the truth, and the reconciliation is bringing the somewhat naive, in some cases, or uh, uneducated population to real people and, and humanizing the whole process. In the work of the Story Post Project, how would you define success? What would success look like? I think success is probably... Uh, somebody drawing something and their look on their face when we that they've actually accomplished something there's a smile coming back to a personal level just just, just the personal level and the fact that we're going to because every every piece of art doesn't go on a story post there's kind of a vetting process and if people keep coming back and working on their art that's that's a success too but i think the individual just that one-on-one connection and they say, you know what, I'm going to come back tomorrow. So if they stop drinking, they stop using, or, or maybe they continue using, uh, you know, not at, when they're at the lodge, but they go down the street. But they come in, and they sort of feel a bonding. It's, it's a community feeling. It's a, it's a sense that they belong. I liked what you mentioned about essentially people finding strength in a community because that can make such a huge difference in someone's life is just feeling that sense of belonging. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the thing that really surprised myself and our staff is some of these characters that come in have, a, you know, if, if the police was to look at their record, they go, whoa, this is a dangerous offender. We have no violence. Uh, people come in who have, you know, are, are mentally very fragile. And if you just treat them with respect, and, and even when they're struggling, if you sort of just treat them appropriately uh, and they start to feel connected, it makes such such a difference. It's just that, that human touch, that they're a human being and... You know, what they're doing means something. Obviously, they're doing it, it means something to them, but to have somebody else recognize it, and then they feel like a human being again, rather than just a street person that's been rejected. And everybody there, you know, they know rejection very well. Acceptance is hard to come by. They find that if someone else will accept them, they they start to work on those addictions, and, and hopefully we can connect them with the right resources. If any of our listeners would like more information on the StoryPost project, uh, storypost.ca is the website. And then for more information about Red Road Lodge, you can visit redroadlodge.ca as well. Richard, thank you so much for joining me today and uh, taking the time to speak with me about Red Road Lodge and the StoryPost project. I appreciate it. Thank you for the opportunity of spreading the word. Thanks, Robert. Coming up next, we're going to be joined in studio by Fred Cross. He is a board member at Gil- in, in the Gilbert and Sullivan Society of Winnipeg, and he's also a performer. They're putting on their final performance ever this weekend, and you are not going to want to miss that if you're a fan of musical theater or just high-caliber performances in general. Before we get to my conversation with Fred, here's a little bit of Barry Littman with Melody in F. You're listening to River City 360 on 93.7 CJNU. <laughs> 
Thank you for listening to River City 360. My name is Nolan Bicknell, and I'm now joined in studio by a very special guest. We've got Fred Cross. He is a board member and performer for the Gilbert and Sullivan Society of Winnipeg. Fred, thank you for joining us today. Glad to be here. Well, we're here to have you because there is one final performance from the Gilbert and Sullivan Society of Winnipeg. Uh, before we kind of get into the details of, well, we might as well drop it now. It's happening this Sunday, April 14th, 2.30 p.m. at the St. Andrews River's St. Andrews River Heights United Church. Uh, tickets are $25. We'll talk about all of that in a bit, but maybe just give me a bit of historical context about the uh, Gilbert and Sullivan Society of Winnipeg and, and kind of where you guys came from and, and, and where you're at. That's a good place to start. Glenn and Margaret Harrison had always been big fans of Gilbert and Sullivan. And when Glenn required, uh, retired from the, uh, his job with the schools in 1990... He and Margaret decided that it was time that Winnipeg had a Gilbert and Sullivan Society. So they sent letters to their friends, who were very numerous, and they had an inaugural meeting, and very quickly there seemed to be lots of support for forming the organization. So by the fall of 1990, they were doing auditions, and the first production was in the spring of 1991, which was Mikado. And it became an annual thing. And we lasted for 27 productions. That's incredible. So what has it meant? How, have you been in from day one since the 90s? I was not in the very first production, but I was in every one after 1992. So I'm 26, 26 in a row. 26 in a row. Wow, that's quite the streak. What has the organization meant to you over the, all these years? Well, I, I'm also a huge fan of Gilbert and Sullivan. I, I don't know why. I don't know what it is. Something about it just captures my imagination. The music is really good. It's a lot of fun. Uh, great involvement. The, the the cast relies heavily on the chorus. It's not, you know, some of the operas, for example, can have very little chorus involved. Mm-hmm. But in Gilbert and Sullivan, the chorus is integral, part of it all. So great group of people. The casts have changed over the years, lots of new people coming and going. But we've always maintained that culture of supporting one another, having a wonderful time while we're doing it. Rehearsals are hard work. It's no doubt we set a high standard. But we have had a lot of fun doing the rehearsals. It seems all the reviews I've read, all of the media that I've kind of done in my research here, really seemed like it was a, a pretty cool community that's been created. Not just a not just a performance group, but an actual community of like-minded individuals that came together. No doubt in my mind. When we've gotten together for rehearsals over the last few weeks, of course the objective is to rehearse and be prepared to, to put on a program on, on Sunday. But inevitably, it becomes a reunion. There's some folks I hadn't seen in, I think, 20 years. Oh, wow. And so it was wonderful to get caught up with them. So it's going to be people kind of coming back to the organization and, and reprising roles? Or how, what's, the, what's Sunday going to entail? That's exactly yeah. it. Yeah, we'll have, uh, I think it's slightly over 50 people will be wow. crammed into the chancel at St. Andrew's River Heights Church. And there's folks that were involved in some of the very first productions. And there's performers who were in last year's production of Yeoman in 2018, and all through. So it, it's, it's wonderful to do it. How important is the arts in general to Winnipeggers, do you think? Why, why, is, why, why should people go out and, and consume this, this form of media? I don't know if anybody knows why. Maybe it's the long winters that tend to keep us indoors or something, but Winnipeg has a long and rich history of, of the performing arts, in particular music, and obviously there's all sorts of groups. There's concerts going on this week, the opera's on this week, and, and so on. So uh, it's always been important. 
For sure. Um, how long has it been uh, important in your life? Have you been a performer your entire life? Yes, I started singing, you know, a, as a treble before my voice changed in choirs, and I've been singing in choirs ever since. And you're a baritone, or what is the? I'm a baritone. Baritone, yeah, you can tell with the the, the deep the deep sound. Let's talk a little bit about the scholarship that you, uh, the Gilbert and Sullivan Society uh, is teaming up with the Winnipeg Foundation to to put out. Uh, it's going to be for a student studying musical theater or opera. And why do you think that, that it's important to kind of support the next generation of performers as well? It seemed to us to be the best way that we could continue a legacy, having decided that due to declining audiences, it was time for us to stop doing an annual production and wind up the Winnipeg Gilbert and Sullivan Society as, as, it's, as an organization. Uh, Glenn and Margaret Harrison were always big supporters of musical theater. Glenn was heavily involved with Rainbow Stage in its formative years in the 1950s and 60s. And that seemed the most appropriate thing we could do with the remaining resources we had and the money we can raise from Sunday's concert. So this gives uh, an opportunity to encourage and financially assist young musicians who want to go on to careers in musical theater and opera. Absolutely. So is, how how far along is that process gone? Has has there been a scholarship that's been given out so far? Or are you still going to? We haven't give given one out yet, but the Winnipeg Foundation has already set up the Glenn and Margaret Beautiful. Harrison awesome. uh, scholarship. And then there are applications open yet, or is it going to be for next uh, semester? Or? I believe the first one will probably be in twenty twenty. Okay, cool. So we're getting close to being able to do that, but not quite ready yet. Awesome. And then Sunday's performance is going to be to build towards the fund that's at the foundation, right? Exactly. Awesome. I think we have $10,000 uh, approximately in the fund already, and uh, the proceeds, the net proceeds from Sunday's concert will so let's bolster talk, that up. Let's talk about Sunday. Uh, what's What can people expect if they're going to show up for this show? Well, uh, Gilbert and Sullivan fans will, I think, recognize just about everything. We're doing uh, a combination of chorus numbers, solos, and ensembles from shows that we've been doing over the past 27 years Very so cool. it'll be a good sampling it, it, i don't know how reed harrison who's directing it ever managed to condense it down mm-hmm. it would be easy to do a six-hour concert if we did all the things we probably would like to do well, 27 years of history uh, yeah right? there's yeah. a huge amount of wonderful music but he's managed to find a way to get the maximum number of people involved and cover off the maximum number of shows and a good mix of uh, chorus ensembles solos Incredible. So anyone who's a fan of theater, a fan of musical theater, a fan of opera, a fan of any sort of singing and talented music here in Winnipeg, it's, it's a can't-miss show. Uh, so what are, what are the details? We've got Sunday, April 14th at 2.30 p.m. This is at 255 Oak Street, which is St. Andrew's River Heights United Church, and tickets are $25. Where can people find out more information? Is there a website that we could go to? I believe it's on Facebook. Yeah, that's right. That's where I found most of the information. That's probably the most uh, available source other than what we've just talked about here. I think we've probably described most of what you need to know. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're you're down and if you're available on Sunday, 2.30 p.m., just uh, go to Facebook and search Gilbert and Sullivan Society of Winnipeg, and all the information is there for the event. Uh, Fred Cross, performer for Good Luck on Sunday, Break a Leg, Have Fun, and uh, thank you for being with us today. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having us here. Thanks, Nolan. Coming up next, we have our weekly segment, Winnipeg Impact Makers, where Sonny Primolo brings us a wonderful local entrepreneur, business, or simply a citizen who's making Winnipeg a better place through a special project. Today's project is for all the dog lovers out there, so stay tuned for a great story about Shadow's Mission, which is an initiative that builds houses for rescue dogs up north. 
Before we get to that, though, here is Lobo with Me and You and a Dog Named Boo, right here on River City 360. Welcome back to River City 360. I'm Sonny Promolo. Manitoba is home to some of the most giving people in the country. To share their stories, I'm going around the city to speak with people who are making an impact in Winnipeg. Today, I'm with Lloyd and Joanne Kammeyer, founders of Shadow's Mission. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you for having us. For those that own a pet, they know the special bond that is created. This is especially true when it comes to Lloyd and Joanne's relationship with their dog, Shadow. Uh, what was it about Shadow that really made her special? Shadow was very smart, very talented little dog who loved everybody. And she went to the nursing homes and just wanted to love everybody she came in contact with. Joanne, you would even bring Shadow to the local personal care homes to display tricks for them. Is that correct? Yeah, she knew over 30 chicks and she did them all for a piece of cheese and made them all happy. 
So Shadow was a 14-year-old black and silver Pomeranian schnauzer cross that unfortunately passed due to liver cancer. To honor Shadow's memory, Joanne and Lloyd created Shadow's Mission. How did the idea of Shadow's Mission come to be? I had all this equipment left over from doing my floors, so I said, well, let's build a house and put her name on it. And so that's what we've been doing for like six years. What gave you the idea of uh, giving these homes to the rescues? They were looking for dog houses for the dogs up north so that they could save lives. And we had all the lumber and the stuff piled up in the backyard, and Lloyd has the talent to do it. And I offered, and they thought I was crazy and agreed. The impact you are making for rescue animals is amazing, and you're also doing it in a very eco-friendly way. Where do you source your materials, and what types of materials do you use? I use all kinds of two-by-fours, which I cut down to, to fit into the houses, and people just leave stuff in the back lane there because they know I build dog houses, and uh, I have all kinds of sheets of plywood, uh, chipboard, and I make a house out of it. This really is a joint family effort. Lloyd, you build the homes, and Joanne, you paint them. Uh, how many dog houses would you say you've built so far? At least 220 that, that we know of. The first ones, they were just little houses, like two foot by two foot. So now we got bigger ones, and we make smaller ones just to fit certain dogs. How do you get these houses out to the different communities? The rescues themselves pick up the houses. And it's their responsibility. We build them and they get a truck and they pick them up and they take them out. Your houses are helping many northern communities like Nisichewe-Asik Cree Nation. You're helping them really manage their dog populations. What does it feel like to know that you're making a difference in these dogs' lives? We may make a difference, but we couldn't do it without the rescues because they take the houses out. It, it feels very good to know that we're saving a life of a dog. And uh, like I said, without the rescues, we could not do what we do. And uh, it just feels good to be able to help. Uh, what would you say is the overall goal at the end of the day? What would really make Shadow's mission complete? We'd rather have all the spay and neuter clinics up there to reduce the dog's population, and we wouldn't need as many houses. That's our goal. We're for spay and neuter as much as possible and to get all the vets and as to help as many of the rescues as they can to carry on their work and to reduce the population. So how can people help? What are different ways that people can get involved with rescue animals and Shadow's mission? They can help any of the rescues in Manitoba. There's many of them. Many of them are northern rescues, or even the local rescues. There's like 100 rescues in Manitoba. Pick one and support them and support the vets that help the rescues. Put a payment on a vet bill for one of the rescues, a $10 payment makes a big difference to them. And uh, help them out as much as you can. Even with donations like collars and chains and beds and tarps to cover the dog houses. Dog food especially, they really, really need dog food. Absolutely. And in terms of donations to yourselves, uh, what type of donations do you accept to help build these houses? Uh, I take two-by-fours and plywood, some uh, foam insulation, the hard stuff, screws, paint, shingles. You're also accepting Home Depot cards, is that correct? That's the easy way to uh, send us money to. so I buy lumber. But other than that, I, I take mostly donations. 
For those looking for more info about Shadow's Mission or would like to donate, how can they reach you? On our Facebook pages under Lloyd Kammeyer or Joel Kammeyer. And uh, Shadow's Mission also has a page. They can reach us at jkammeyer at mts.net or lloydkammeyer at mts.net. And our phone number is 204-256-9787. They can call us pretty much any time. We're home all the time. Most of the time. Another way to contact Joanne and Lloyd is you can actually go to the Manitoba Pet Expo in June. Uh, where would that be? That's at the St. Norbert Community Center on June 2nd. Awesome. So again, thanks Lloyd and Joanne for sharing their story of impact. If you or anyone you know is also making an impact in our city, reach out and call us at 204-944-9474 extension 360. Again, that's 204-944-9474 extension 360. We'd love to hear about it. This is Sunny Promolo for River City 360. Thanks, Sunny. If you, as Sonny mentioned, if you or anyone you know uh, is a Winnipeg impact maker and you'd like to tell their story on River City 360, give us a call. Our line is always open 24-7, uh, so call 204-944-9474, extension 360. Uh, just leave your name and number and tell us about the Winnipeg impact maker that's making a difference in your community. That's 204-944-9474, extension 360. Coming up next, we've got some great music to before we have to say goodbye today. So why not a little bit of Benny Goodman with Goodbye right here on RC360.
Welcome back to River City 360. Robert and Nolan here with you today. That was Benny Goodman with Goodbye, but we're not quite ready to say goodbye just yet. We've got some more music on the way. Here is Skyliner by Ralph Martyry and Orchestra right here on River City 360. episode of River City 360. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and a huge thank you to all of our guests for joining us as well. If you'd like to hear more River City 360, listen to any of our past episodes, or subscribe to the podcast, you can do so online at rivercity360.org. Again, that's rivercity360.org. River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg, is a project of the Winnipeg Foundation in partnership with CJNU 93.7 FM. And we'd love to hear your feedback about the show as well. If you'd like to request a song, suggest a topic for a future show, or just say hello, give us a call at 204-944-9474, extension 360. That's our listener line, and it's open 24-7. Again, the number to call is 204-944-9474, extension 360. You can find us online on Twitter or Facebook as well by searching at WPGFDN on Twitter or just typing in the Winnipeg Foundation on Facebook as well. I'm Nolan Bicknell signing off for River City 360. And I'm Robert Zirk. Thank you again so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Have a great day and a great weekend.